You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. The residential home remodeling market is competitive all over the U.S., and nowhere is it more competitive from the standpoint of customers who are demanding in what they want to see in the remodeling of their home, whether it's a bedroom or bathroom or the entire house. And today we're going to be talking with Tom Dwyer of Town Construction uh, to, to tell us a little bit about what it takes to succeed in such a marketplace and also what some of the trends are and what it takes to satisfy those demands of customers. Welcome to the Business Hour, Tom. Thanks for having me on, Ron. Tom, uh, let's go back uh, to the origins of uh, Harbortown Construction. Uh, how did uh, the company begin, and where did it begin? Was it here in North Metro Atlanta? Actually, the company began in Dallas, Texas. I was working for some guys. Uh, we were trimming houses at the time. I was a carpenter, and they got into a position where they couldn't pay me on a regular basis. And so I decided that I would be better off working on my own. So I went out and started soliciting business from builders in order to start my own company. And that was 40 years ago, and I hadn't looked back. Wow. Um, and um, what kind of homes were you working on uh, back then? Was it just a, 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 a wide, wide range? This was in the late 70s, early 80s. We were working mostly in Plano, Texas, which was north of Dallas. It was a suburb probably comparable to what Alpharetta became, or actually Gwinnett became, because Plano was the fastest-growing county in the nation back then, and when I moved to Atlanta in 1985, Gwinnett County was the fastest-growing county in the nation. So, and the new home building was obviously very hot, and that's, you know, as a trim subcontractor, you know, we made pretty good living at it. Speaking of uh, fast-growing counties, off and on, I know um, through the last 40 to 50 years and, and maybe 60 years, um, Fulton County, Cobb County, Gwinnett County, DeKalb County have traded uh, positions, uh, mostly uh, Fulton, Cobb, and Gwinnett as the uh, fastest growing county. So you are perfectly situated because you're somewhere between Cobb and uh, you take in parts of Fulton and parts of uh, DeKalb. Is that right? That's correct. But, you know, I stepped back from the new home building business because there was no money in it here in Atlanta. Uh, it was a soft market when you well, moved there? Well, it was a big market, but what the builders were willing to pay for workers, I had to cut my prices by 30% from what I was charging in Dallas, so I decided that doing trim work wasn't going to pay the bills here, and I got into a business doing custom shutters for a while, and was how I met a lot of my clients where we also offered the remodeling. Uh, so that's when I moved into the into the remodeling business, and that was mid-80s. So uh, that's as good a point of entry into the business, uh, shutters, if you will. Um, and you just grew and started to do more and more kinds just of remodeling. more and more, you know, on word of mouth, uh, you know, doing some, you know, kitchens and bathrooms for various people, and the word gets around that you do good work. And uh, one of the things that I did for a lady, I mean, I can't, when we were doing shutters, I would, you know, we would clean up with a dustbuster afterwards. 
And so um, it's like the first time she'd ever had anybody clean up behind themselves when they did construction. So that was a key to our future success. We're um, getting your mic a little bit closer, Tom. You're you're kind of soft-spoken, actually. Um, and uh, We haven't made me angry yet. Okay. Well, I'm sure on the site <laughs> when you have to bark out some uh, some orders, you're, uh, you're not uh, soft-spoken. But... Uh, what were some of the trends back then? Uh, or, or, or let me ask you straight away. I, bedrooms, um, master bedrooms with uh, bathrooms, uh, uh, kitchens uh, were certainly probably popular um, back then. Have the tra- trends remain about the same? Are there any new kinds of demands that you're seeing these days? No, I think kitchens and bathrooms are the two most remodeled rooms in the house, and we still do quite a few of those. Um, I mean, that's the majority of our business. We, you know, when when necessary, people want a master suite if they can't expand into like a fourth bedroom. Uh, we get into a situation where we might do an addition to the house. Uh, I like to propose to people that rather than doing an addition, if we can steal some space from inside the existing footprint of the house, then we can make their living situation better without spending quite as much money. I mean, that can probably actually save tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, absolutely. Anytime you go outside the footprint of the house, you're talking a lot more money. And when you're talking about uh, stealing space from within the house... Uh, you're talking about moving a wall maybe to accommodate a bigger uh, bathroom or, or actual bedroom or overall suite or moving a wall and expanding the kitchen? Correct. I mean, a lot of the older houses, the living room and the kitchen is separated by a wall. And, you know, a lot of times people want us to take that wall out so that they can open the kitchen to the living area, where especially like if they got small kids that they want to keep an eye on while they're fixing dinner or if they like to entertain a lot. Anybody will tell you that when they entertain, everybody's gathered in the kitchen. And if it's all closed off, it makes sometimes for an uncomfortable situation. Sure. And also islands probably are more popular than ever, I would imagine. Everybody wants an island. Everybody wants an island. And, you know, and sometimes you have to take a wall out to fit an island. And sometimes I have to tell people, you know, you really don't have enough room for an island here. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, there are actual space limitations in some cases. Open floor concepts have got to be more popular, I would imagine. Uh, they have been for a few years at least. And decades back, there wasn't as much discussion of open floor plans, but there certainly is today. Is that right? Well, there's no doubt that that's a big thing of what we do, and I think that's part of what sets us apart from other contractors is that we don't have a problem with taking out a 22- or 24-foot wall if that's what it takes to open up a space. Now, let's talk about um, – we can talk about the formalized process because you actually do have a – uh, a, a major three-step process of evaluation of the space review and analysis and then the actual creation of a plan. But uh, before we get into that structured, more formalized process, I, how do you get that initial idea of what uh, a client uh, thinks they want to do, thinks they want to do? Um, how do you open them up and get them to share with you their uh their 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 dreams their optimistic 
a view of what could be well, done. Well, you know, once we've talked to somebody on the phone and find out that they have realistic budget expectations and and we go out to talk to them, they're, you know, basically we go out and do a consultation process where we sit down and talk with them, find out, you know, let them show us what they're thinking they want to do, and then perhaps ask some questions about how they plan to use the space or, you know, to, if you're doing a bathroom, do they both need to get work ready for work at the same time? I mean, things of that nature that can help us design the new space to fit their needs better. How detailed uh, can clients get to anybody doodle anything out to show you what they're thinking? Uh, you know, we have people that will come to us with programs like SketchUp or something on the Internet that they've done. I mean, we can't really use those to estimate from, but, you know, it helps to have visuals. You know, I, a lot of people clip stuff out of magazines, which is good, you know, because that way we can actually see a picture of what kind of they might have in mind and gives me a chance to see a little bit better about how they're thinking. Sure. I, I would imagine that could be really helpful if they have uh, images uh, cut out pages uh, with images that are really close to what they're thinking of in terms of for example how light uh, the color scheme might be in a given room, how big it might be, what some of the trim elements are and if they tell you I like this this and this about that picture um, like the countertops, you know, the, the the color at least. I don't know about the surface materials themselves, but yeah, I would think that that would help you out tremendously as you help them uh, create that vision. Well, yeah, it has to be a team effort because you know it's not just about me going in there and and getting a job. It's about trying to solve problems for people which is what i like about the business versus the new construction that i was in new construction you go in you do the same thing over and over again every day i go to work i get a different challenge or a different problem to solve now in that problem solving uh process let's let's actually jump into your uh step one uh in evaluating of the project and this initial consultation uh is where you do what we've been talking about, sort of the give and the take of what you're, what the client is imagining they they want, and you're explaining to them how realistic it might be given some budget considerations. Now, in some cases, do people have absolutely no idea what the budget should be? And some people are thinking, even without having an idea, a much smaller number. And in other cases, you have clients who are like, they're open to having you tell them what that number is going to be or what the price range is going to be. Well, hopefully I've determined if they have a totally unrealistic number, I've determined that before I ever make an appointment and won't go see them. Right, right, okay. <laughs> because there's no sense in wasting both of our times. But if people give me, you know, I will usually give people a range as to what certain types of projects cost and of course everybody's thinking they're want to their theirs is going to be on the lower end of the range and that's fine if we can help them keep it that way um, but uh, you know yes we sometimes people will have a whole laundry list they'll want to go into a house that say they've got a 30 year old house and they want to do the kitchen they want to do the master they've got two other bathrooms they want to do and they want to paint and they want to put hardwood floors in and by the time you tell them what the budget for all that stuff is and say it's a hundred and fifty two hundred thousand dollars then they're like, oh, my, 
you know, and I'm saying, okay, well, then let's go through and I'll jot down some ranges of the various projects and, okay, so maybe we can prioritize. You know, if you can't, you know, if you can't do all of that at once, let's figure out what you can do now. Speaking about having uh, realistic or unrealistic expectations, you know, remodeling programs have become more popular than ever. You know, <laughs> the Home Garden Channel has got programs like the Property Brothers and Fixer Upper, and I would imagine that it probably makes it more difficult for you when they come to you and they say, well, we saw that for $50,000, $100,000, or whatever people were able to get this, 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 and this. Oh, no, they probably saw a $20,000 kitchen and a $10,000 bathroom, and that doesn't happen. So, right. you know, remember, this is TV. This right. is entertainment. This isn't real remodeling. Right. So I would imagine, does it come up? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, it comes up all the time. And i tell you what, you know, I hate to say it and pick on the property brothers, but I always... It always kills me when they open up a wall and there's a pipe in there we didn't know was there. I'm like, did you not go in the attic or the basement before you designed a floor plan to see if there might be something in the wall you might have to move? Yeah, in fact, in a lot of those programs, I I see that all the time where they're seeing uh, something revealed under the floor, behind the wall, uh, under the roof, and I'm thinking... Did they do no uh, site uh, survey? Well, that's what I call due diligence on the front end, because I'd rather give somebody a price that they can live with, whether it's higher than they want to hear, and not go in and hit them with change orders once we get started. Absolutely. Better to have um, bad news up front and get them thinking realistically. We're here with Tom Dwyer of Harbortown Construction. We're talking about uh, what goes into remodeling a a home, the trends, uh, the process. We'll be back with Tom right after this break. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Tom Dwyer of Harbortown Construction, and we've been talking to Tom about what goes into helping a client visualize and have a realistic expectation about what can be done for a within a given budget, uh, or to determine the scope of work that is going to be done that also would have a budget attached to that scope. And we were talking about the 
collaboration between the client and uh, Harbortown Construction. And in some cases, Tom, you have design fees associated uh, with the scope of the project. And in other cases, if it's small enough, you, you don't necessarily uh, have design fees. Is that right? That's correct. So how do you determine that? Well, if you're doing any kind of change on the footprint of a house, you, you pretty much have to have a plan. I mean, if you want to get an accurate estimate of what things are going to cost, you have to have a plan. And the plan needs to have electrical outlets on it. It needs to have cabinets layouts and the sizes because, you know, the estimating process is really just a means of counting materials and stuff. And if you just try to wing it or whatever, you're going to make mistakes. Now, in the case of some some rooms, like a small bathroom, might even be a guest bathroom, even though it might not be true that they can get away with the outlets where they are or without rearranging some sort of plumbing, but if they say to you, I just want to get a new, uh, some new fixtures in here, a new toilet, new uh, uh, sink, and uh, have the walls redone and the, the, the floors redone, uh, does that fit in the category of maybe a smaller project? Yeah, a smaller bathroom like that is, you know, like a little three-fixture bathroom or something where you're just going to tear everything out and put it back pretty much in the same place but with new stuff. Wouldn't really require any design work. It starts to get uh, into more design. Uh, For example, um, I can imagine in my own home that there are some bathrooms that uh, might involve some plumbing and electrical work and probably would require some rearrangement of the space well yeah and i mean especially if you get into a master bath situation a lot of people are doing away with tubs and they want a larger shower or sometimes in some of the older floor plans we've run across uh where the hall bathroom is much bigger than say the master bathroom and so we remodel both bathrooms but we'll steal space from the hall bathroom to enlarge the master those kinds of situations where you're changing the actual footprint or the layout of the walls or where fixtures go that's when we require a design fee to do some sort of a plan where we can put together a true estimate. And, and you're not afraid to discuss those uh, those fees up front because, as you said, it's so much better to have people know what to expect than uh, the other way around. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we need to lay all our cards on the table because, like I said, it's a team effort, you know, and we've been doing this long enough that, you know, folks need to be willing to pay for somebody's expertise and their time to put together something what about free estimates is not doing the contractor any favors right right uh, free estimates sometimes worth uh, what you paid for it exactly um what about um is there some point some sweet spot uh maybe a scale of economy if I bring you and I say, uh, I've got a bathroom here, but I'm thinking of doing this other bathroom as well, and possibly even a third bathroom, if you're in there uh, working on two bathrooms or three bathrooms instead of just the one, uh, it may not alter the price. I mean, one plus one plus one could be three, but as there are some cases when you're in there for a few days or however long it takes a scale of economy. 
few weeks, not few, days. Well, it wasn't well, HGTV, Brian. No, 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 no. I, yeah, I, 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 I meant to say a few weeks, yeah. That's okay. But, uh, yeah, there is. I mean, because when we go into a project, you have certain overhead items like permits and dumpsters and supervision and things of that nature that would have to be duplicated on each project. So if you combine two projects at the same time, you know, instead of maybe a 20-yard dumpster, we get a 30-yard dumpster. But the supervision can still be the same, and the length of the project may only lengthen by a week or so if you can combine two jobs together. And so, can, can that, um, well, it sounds like it could save maybe a few thousand. It could definitely save a few thousand dollars. Um, so in arriving at a budget, uh, certainly early on, before we've totally firmed it up, do, do you do you come up with an estimated range, or do you actually come up with specific numbers? I, I have a couple of tools that I use. One is the uh, Remodeling Magazine is a national publication that comes out every year with a cost versus value survey, and you can go online and find that information, and they will give you uh, numbers that are derived from a national estimating system of what it costs to do particular types of remodeling jobs. Now, they're not always exactly what we want to do, but it gives me an opportunity to tell customers that, you know, hey, the average kitchen remodel that we do here in Sandy Springs or Dunwoody or another area here north of town is typically like forty to $60,000 plus the cost of your appliances. And I think the cost versus value survey shows that kitchen is fifty-four, But they also saw a luxury kitchen is 120000 So, I mean, it's somewhere in between there is where our estimates typically fall, depending on whether or not you're taking out walls and that sort of thing. So that gives me a tool to actually show people what is a realistic budget that they should have. How does Atlanta compare? I mean, this is this a national standard, and it could be plus or minus, certainly um, in a smaller market, maybe um, the prices might be down or, or maybe a much larger market. Or because even though you can get still more home in some parts of Atlanta than you can, uh, you know, for the dollar in, in, in other markets around the country, we're, we're still a pretty pricey marketplace, aren't we? Aren't we? And are we just right in there with the average? I think, you know, I don't know everything about national. I know one guy that builds in New York, and obviously his costs are much higher there, to, you know, because basically our business is based on cost. You, you have to know what all your materials are going to cost. You have to know what your labor is going to cost, and then you have to be able to figure out what you have to have over and above that to stay in business and to provide insurance and all the other things it takes to run a legitimate business. But I would say overall Atlanta is probably – I know from what I've heard from, like, countertop people that it's very competitive in terms of pricing for products and stuff like that. And I see a lot of pressure to keep prices down. But from my point of view, you know, I have to get what I get. I put When I estimate a job, I put all the quantities into a computer. Yes, there's a certain amount of judgment that goes into some things, but it tells me what I should be charging at the end of the day, and I know what my overhead costs need to be, and and the price is what the price is. You're trying to keep it much more of a, of a science, and, and, and even though this whole process, because it involves design, has some what we'll call art um, in the design, you're trying to make it much more of a science. 
and quantify things so that it's an accurate estimate. Well, yes, you have to do that. And, of course, the clients can drive the price, too, by their material selections. You know, there's all different kinds of price range of countertops. There's all different kind of price ranges of cabinets, tile, you know, on and on and on. And I want to come back to that, to the materials that are used, but I want to move on to the step two of the first part is the project evaluation and step two is the space review and analysis which is kind of an extension of the evaluation of sorts um tell me about uh taking uh, a, a close look doing that site review because as we were saying sometimes in uh, these uh programs when a um a curveball emerges like they discovered this behind a wall or in the attic or below the floor and you're thinking and me too did they not do a thorough uh, analysis of the site and uh, talk to me about what you do uh, to uh, review the property to survey the property and to uh have that be a part of your uh, realistic expectation of uh, goals? Well, once we've got a commitment from the client to do a design on a project, depending on the scope of work, then I will either do the investigation myself or if I have questions about, uh, you know, are we going to need to upgrade the service panel for the electrical or are we going to have some sort of an issue with the plumbing, I will actually get some of my subcontractors to come down there and meet me for a site visit so that we can determine, you know, are we going to need another panel or upgrade the service? Because I would rather say that up front, say, hey, it's going to cost you another $4,000 up front than get in there and say, oh, oh, by the way, you know, we're going to have to put a new panel in and that's going to cost you 4000 when they haven't planned for that up front. And, and electrical and plumbing have to be two of those areas where if you don't look closely, you, you literally, it's a hidden um, element that you couldn't put into your estimate, so you have to look closely. Is that right? For the most part. I mean, you know, I've been doing this a long time, so a lot of time, you know, I can go look at the panel, and if there's no spaces in it for breakers, I know that the new code's going to make me put in three or four new circuits for that kitchen, and if there's no space left in the panel, I'm going to have to at least add a sub-panel. I may not have to add a whole new service to the house, but again, I talk to people about what their future plans are and, you know, find out if what they've got is adequate. Or if you see some leakage somewhere, signs of leakage, you know there's probably a problem that you should look further right. into. Um, we touched on this, but in this process, you know, you have a, a, you're creating a list of things that your clients would like to have done. You're even surveying them about uh, what they're going to do, how, what their behaviors are. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, is the den going to be more of a playroom for the kids, or is it going to be um, like uh, a media room, you know, with a big screen TV and it's mostly adults or whatever. Um, and of course, you probably have people getting really, really ambitious about it. Uh, um, you're kind of a counselor, uh, particularly if 
the wife says, oh, no, we want this to be a room where the kids, it's, a, it's like a, a playroom for the kids. And the husband's going, no, no, they can stay uh, in the attic area or they can use that other room as a playroom. This room's going to be more of a den-like, uh, uh, n- maybe not as far as a man cave, but do you find yourself uh, being... Uh, Marriage counselor, referee, (laughs) yes, but I draw the line at picking colors. (laughs) I won't pick colors for anybody. And, you know, I mean, sometimes I can offer practical advice of what other customers have done and, you know, what worked for them or what didn't work for them. And sometimes I just have to say, look, you guys need to work this out and let me know when you make a decision. But it could be something simple like if we just move this wall back and the room's a little bit bigger, conserve. Yeah, and I, you know, and I have to, you know, I just have to be careful not to take sides and give the pluses and minuses of each one. And sometimes that will present a solution to the couple that they will get. We're going to continue on talk about your uh, process for evaluating how you arrive at a uh, scope of the project and a budget related to that. Uh, right after this break, we're with Tom Dwyer of Harbortown Construction. We'll talk more with Tom right after this break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Tom Dwyer of Harbortown Construction. We've been talking about uh, what goes into uh, making a successful remodeling uh, company, but also what goes into successful relationships with clients and a successful project, which is 
oftentimes very focused on evaluating the scope of a project and the budget associated with that project. And and Tom's uh, company has a very specific uh, process of project evaluation, uh, space review and analysis, and the actual creation of the plan uh, with 12 steps, uh, uh, sub-steps involved in those major steps. Now, uh, we're on step four where you're taking photographs of existing rooms, which I would imagine uh, helps when you come up with those computer uh, designs. Is that right? Well, really, those are memory aids for me. Okay. <laughs> because then I can, if I have a question when I'm putting together the estimate, I can look at a picture of the existing space and see whether there's uh, an outlet or an air conditioning vent that needs to be moved, that sort of thing. Um and this is the stage at which you start to talk about possibly the movement of walls and the addition right. or subtraction of doors. Is that right? That's correct. Um, now, I would imagine that the, that, that some of these uh, evaluations can, can become problematic. And I'm going to go back to we're talking about uh, where you have uh, – clients that are at odds and you're playing that role of a, of a marriage counselor almost um, someone who has a desire for a room to be bigger or smaller or you know a vaulted ceiling uh, whatever um, and you know we talked about you have the customer um, work with suppliers sometimes or are almost maybe almost always when it comes to materials, and that's a big area of cost, right? I mean, you have fixtures, lighting fixtures, you have countertops, uh, you have actual, uh, you know, toilet fixtures, uh, sink fixtures. Um, how do you keep that cost under control? And in all those cases that I just cited, are you directing them to work with another professional that is part of your team? Uh, but another outside vendor um, to help them make those decisions? Uh, yeah, I mean, we will put in the initial stages, if we're doing an estimate, we'll put an allowance in for a faucet, say $350 for a faucet. And you might say, well, gee whiz, that's awful lot. But I know that when my customers go to one of the plumbing distributors here in town, that that's probably going to be pretty close to the price range of what they pick. And they can buy six or $800 faucets if they want. But this is where the client can control some of the cost of the job. And that is true for many other uh, uh, materials. For example, countertops can also have this incredible range. And these days, I'm certain people are thinking... I'd like marble or granite, but but there are other services as well, right? Marble, granite, quartz um, are pretty much what we're seeing these days. I mean, I don't typically recommend marble. There's a lot of uh, of the quartz products that look like marble because they're not absorbent. An actual marble top is very porous and can stain very easily. Uh, some of the granites can. But the price ranges are of all the materials. There's different, you know, there's probably four or five tiers of prices in all of these materials. So you can't say that one's more expensive than another. 
Well, you can. You can actually say that uh, Granite is, is, is top in, or Marble's top, Quartz second, gr- Granite, because there's variations. No, there's various prices. I mean, you can get a commodity Granite that will be dirt cheap, you know, but... You see in some of these shows on on TV, and I hate to make a reference to it, but I know that there's thousands of people. Hundreds well, I watch of some of them too, well, just so I can aggravate myself. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, you you actually see on Fixer Upper, you know, have to give credit to Joanna and Chip Gaines. They do some nice things with content, Absolutely. for example. Absolutely, you know, they're very they're pretty resourceful, and and you know, you might even get some ideas from them because I think that they do some of the nicest conversions. Uh, concrete is that something that you see any requests for? Concrete, we get some concrete. Concrete countertop requests. It's not something that we do in the field ourselves, although I know they show them doing it there on those shows, but it's not less expensive than some of the other things. And again, it's a porous material, so sometimes it's not necessarily an ideal surface. Tiles on the floor versus uh, hardwood. Um, probably seen more hardwood in kitchens than, than ever and, and probably more and hardwood i mean you know in terms of cost you got carpet then you've got hardwood and the laminate flooring and the luxury vinyl tiles fall into the same price range and then tile is probably almost double what the hardwood cost is in terms of an installed price and then typically it may or may not be as comfortable to be standing on for a long period of time so that's another cost consideration, and, exactly. and with lots of variations, and pick any one of those just tile. There's got to be t- thousands and thousands of variations, and also hardwood. Maybe not thousands, but a lot of variations. It can be a daunting task when you go out to try to pick all this stuff out, and you know. So we do offer. Uh, interior design service too if somebody wants to take that on themselves uh that's fine but if somebody feels a little uncomfortable if they're spending that kind of money on a kitchen or bathroom remodel they may want a professional to help them help guide them in the colors to make sure they don't make a mistake when they're putting all these materials together and we're talking uh, about this uh section of your evaluation process um uh it's it's the major step two of the space review and analysis but We've touched on the specification of materials and how they may need to work with a professional. This is probably where you determine whether or not they want to work with a designer from Harbortown to help oversee the overall design of a room, who in turn still works with the some of the vendors uh, for tile or for countertops. But you can make a determination at this point whether or not you're going to have one of your designers and there's going to be fees associated with this, working with them closely uh, throughout that whole design process. Yeah, if they choose to go that way, yes. Um, so, I mean, which is good to know that uh, you have uh, part of your team on the Harbortown construction side, a designer. And I would imagine it gives some homeowners a comfort level to have that designer be the overall coordinator for a given room or the entire Remodeling that involves uh, multiple rooms, uh, but in other cases, I guess uh, you have customers who are not undaunted by you know they they feel like they have some design sense, even if they don't, that want to work directly with the countertop people or the flooring people. Is that right? Yeah, the majority of our customers are comfortable with it. You know, I mean, they've seen stuff. They've been through the magazines. They've watched the shows on TV. They know what they like. And typically that's going to be working fine for them. 
Okay, so based on that, you're you're now in st- step three, is which is the the creation of the plan, and you've had a lot of feedback, and you've talked with the client, and you're going to be able to show them specifically what it's going to look like with that input. Yes, we do our designs on a computer, so you know we could take the computer to their home, and we can show them exactly what the new space is going to look like if they're standing in a particular doorway or if they're standing at the sink or the cooktop what's it going to look like when they look out over the room without the wall there has that tool has that kind of 3d modeling made uh, things a lot easier oh for you? man you know i started doing computer design almost 20 years ago i saw a program at a home show for builders and when I started using that, people would get so excited when we would show them what it looked like because most people have a really hard time visualizing what something's going to look like. I mean, you look at a, a blueprint, a two-dimensional floor plan, you know, a lot of people, that doesn't do anything for them. But when you can show them that 3D model, they get excited. They, they're they ready to sign on the dotted line before you've even figured out how much it's going to cost them. So, yeah, I love it. And, and you, uh, you know, again, to, to, to turn to what people are seeing on TV, in some of these shows, in fact, most of the shows now are doing that. They're sitting down with a client and they're reviewing these computer-generated images of what something will look like. And I'll be darned if some of those aren't really close to what the vinyl product uh, emerges as uh, because it has actual placement of appliances and fixtures. They go to a lot more effort on those shows than we typically would in terms of putting together all the accessories and all that kind of stuff into the the plan. I'm sure you're familiar with the 80-20 rule. Right. You know, the first 80% takes 20% of the effort and the last 20% of those details takes 80% of the time and... You know, our our cabinets don't roll up out of the floor and materialize in an animated fashion, right, but we right. still get our idea across. And in fact, know? in those programs, they could probably go further in detailing the images uh, than they would typically with their, their. It's amazing what you can do with a computer. Yeah, um, and 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 pretty amazing that you got into it uh, years ago, and now um, uh, are an old pro at. at uh, that it's routine, I guess, uh, in working with with customers. Okay, so now you've uh, created those 3D designs. Uh, you've discussed what materials you're talking about, and uh, you're directing them to suppliers. Uh, how many might that be? Uh, we talked about you know countertops and floors and fixtures, uh, lighting, uh, maybe bathroom fixtures. How many some total suppliers might be involved in this Oh, project? gosh. We have, I have like a two-page sheet that probably has maybe three or four different suppliers in each different category of materials that they might pick out, and they can choose whichever one they want to go to based on proximity to their house or, you know, some people have worked with some of them before. And, you know, but at least that way they're going and they're, you know, I tell people make an appointment, go out there, talk to one of the professional designers on staff there. I mean, because you can bring, you know, like once you've picked your cabinets, I tell people pick out your cabinets first and your countertops second and then pick out all the other stuff that goes with that. And then you can take a sample of those things that you've picked out with you to pick out your tile and everything else. Um. 
color. You said uh, you don't typically uh, get involved in the specifying color. Did you mean you personally or the firm? Uh, does your designer help people with color? Well, if they hire us to do the actual design work, I mean, there's two two sides to design. There's the color and the textures and all that kind of stuff, and then there's the floor plan design. The floor plan design is what I do, and then the color and the textures is typically what uh, an interior designer might do. And they can do that with you? Uh, we can uh, work together. Typically, I'll let the client and the, and the interior designer work together. Some clients will come to us, they already have an interior designer, and some people have come to us with an architectural set of drawings. And we're willing to work with other professionals, too, to get a job built, if that's what it takes. So... Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about finishing out this uh, this overall process, and then I've got some other questions for you. I want to know more about how Tom Dwyer became a, a builder. We're here with Tom Dwyer of Harbortown Construction. We'll be back with Tom right after this break. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Tom Dwyer of Harbortown Construction, and we've been talking about the company's approach to evaluating what the scope of a project is, what the desires are of clients uh, to have their home remodeled, uh, what realistic expectations, how, how realistic expectations could be set, and how a budget uh, with those realistic expectations can be determined. And we were talking about 
the Harbor Town three major step with twelve minor steps uh, to determining this, and I actually think Tom, this is a very um, wise approach that you've arrived at through the years. You know that if you can work out a, a, a more scientific approach, we'll call it, but a, a specific set of steps to arrive at what the design concept will be, what the overall scope is going to be, and then what the cost is going to be. There are going to be fewer headaches for the client and for you. You might have to be the bearer of bad news when you say, no, I think that's going to be X thousands of dollars more than you were anticipating, but you're clearing the air, you have realistic expectations on the part of a client. So I actually think that this process probably served you really well. It has. And, you know, there's probably other different ways to go at it but i mean this is what in the industry we call a design build process as opposed to somebody hiring an architect to start with to come up with a plan and then bring the plan to a contractor to price it out um i want to ask you about some specific uh, areas are you doing more walk-in closets than ever before if we design a master suite it's going to have a walk-in closet are you um, at being asked more for for full bathrooms rather than half bathrooms to a house? Yeah, I mean, a half bath might be a, something we would remodel, but generally people are going to want to do full baths. I mean, most of the time we're not adding a bathroom per se, but more or less remodeling one for somebody. How about decks? Are decks still in? I know uh, at one point in time, a few years back, it seemed that uh, uh, decks were a hot item. Well, decks are always a hot item. And, you know, the, an old pressure-treated deck only has a lifespan of about 20 or 25 years, so they tend to wear out. Um, so there's a certain amount of stuff to be done there in the, in the replacement arena as well as putting on decks on say somebody does a new addition a lot of times there'll be a deck associated with that as well um which kind of brings me to decks adjacent to uh, bedrooms with french doors are you finding that decks are getting expanded are you putting in more french doors than ever Anytime I do a master suite design, if there's room in the area there, yes. I'm going to try to put a pair of French doors in it walking out to a deck. Or if it's on a second floor, we've done them where there's at least a a balcony or something that you can walk out onto that's big enough for a couple chairs or something like that. So, yes, that's definitely a feature that people want to have. And how about attics? Are attics uh, being converted into usable space uh, still? A lot of houses have good attic space that can be converted, especially older in-town houses where they have a steeper roof pitch. I mean, if you have a low-pitch roof, then the attic's not real conducive to being finished out. And with a steeper-pitch roof, we can add dormers. We can do some different things to uh, make that space better and um, you know, livable space. Speaking of livable space, you know, you and I were talking before the program, and and um, I was mentioning um, how I had lots of neighbors with finished basements. I mean, elaborate finished basements. Uh, for example, my own basement has a fireplace in it, and it's it's set up. It's got some basic paneling and it's carpeted and it's got a bathroom i mean it could be an in-law suite 
But you pointed out that, you know, you, you don't get uh, an appraisal for any of that uh, space being uh, converted with bedrooms. I mean, bedrooms are on the main floor on up, right? I mean, I've seen people list houses with basement bedrooms counted as the bedroom space, but it was always my understanding that from a you know strict real estate standpoint that basement areas, whether they're finished or not, are counted as basement as opposed to living areas. And although we've done some really nice basements that I'd be happy to live in. Right, which brings me to the question about whether or not people are, are uh, spending um, significant sums of money to convert uh, basements into livable. Uh, I, 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 too, have seen some very elaborate, I mean, at the high end of the spectrum, uh, game rooms that are off the chart or media rooms that are off the chart. But So you're doing more and more uh, conversion of uh, uh, or, or, or upgrading of basements? Well, yeah. I mean, we've done several basements. I mean, and, and again, from a from a cost standpoint, if you can finish out your basement as opposed to building an addition on the outside of the house, I mean, it's going to be much more cost effective. You know, and you're right. We're doing home theaters. We're doing kitchens that are almost a full kitchen. A lot of the codes won't allow you to put a stove in there because then it's considered another apartment or something, and it changes it from a single family to a, a two-family dwelling. But uh, you know, with limitations, you know, yes, we're doing basements with you know bathrooms and you know bedrooms and the whole nine yards. What about uh, you know? Uh, here uh, in Atlanta, and I'm certain this applies to some markets around the country, wherever there are hills, uh, wherever you're in a hilly uh, urban environment, um, you have a lot of uh, split levels where uh, a portion uh, of the house is uh, a daylight basement, but the other portion is built into the hill. Uh, in in the the case of my own home you know that that corner that's uh built into the hill is the wine cellar you know it's it's literally where we we keep the wine and and the other end of it is more of a uh well it's a garage base where you can come in on and i think that's a very typical arrangement in some cases the garage is is up above and that open space is just uh or or the uh, part of that is at at ground level on the back side of a house um, is a, a very daylight uh, basement. Are you seeing situations where people are doing things on the backside of those open spaces where it almost opens out to maybe a deck because there's a hill and you know, it, and you're helping them figure out how to turn it into something really nice? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, the daylight basement on a, on a hillside lot, I mean, that's typical, especially here in the Atlanta area, that, because if there was a flat lot, they probably wouldn't put a basement under it. They'd put it on a slab or a crawl space. But if you have that hilly lot, it lends itself well to a daylight basement, or we call it the terrace level. Right. And, and you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing upon uh, the friends of, of, of homes, but in my very own neighborhood, there are some uh, very elaborate, uh, uh, well-done uh, extensions of the daylight basement at, at 
the ground level on the back side of the house that then terraces to a combination of decks that they turn into really beautiful oh, yeah. outdoor kitchens spaces. and hardscapes are all which uh, is very my next popular, question you know so that are, and that's a big deal are they more popular than ever still i um, think so yes um and they, they can get quite elaborate right i mean with um stone fireplaces and uh almost like a kitchen uh outdoors um are exactly. You, are you working on some of those? We're not working on any currently, but you know, the, the, if you go to the suppliers, you go to the appliance places. They almost all have these outdoor grills and stuff like that, and outdoor appliances. Uh, we did one here a couple years ago where we uh, had some cabinets that are actually made for outdoors. They're not made out of wood, so that they would withstand the humidity and stuff like that, and will stand up long term outdoors. Um. You know, it's not something I was thinking about until just now as I was envisioning these elaborate backyards. Um, you get the occasional uh, request for uh, fencing, uh, and you will help a client with... Uh, Fencing's not fencing. something that we really do. I mean, there's some contractors around that specialize in fences, but, you know, so we can make recommendations. And another area that you had told me you, you didn't uh, specialize in, as most... Uh, uh, remodelers also do not, and even some homeowners turn swimming pools over to a you know that's another animal. But you probably collaborate with some of those uh, swimming pool builders, especially the ones that are where the pool's up close to the house, and you're that outdoors living space we're talking uh, you about. know i know some guys that do the hardscapes and that sort of thing but that's really not something that we get into as a remodeler i mean like you said that's a very specialized area and i think most of the pool companies actually have landscape or hardscape guys that build the hardscape we're talking about is like the retaining walls and the stonework and all that kind of stuff and recontouring your backyard and all that stuff not really something that we get into. Yeah, I, I've seen some, again, uh, elaborate conversions. Um, Tom, any advice to a young professional who's thinking about getting into uh, the remodeling business? Well, I think the one thing that helped me the most was I got involved with the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, NARI, NARI, and um, you know, it's a network of other contractors and suppliers that are in the business, and we have monthly meetings here in Atlanta. I, I'm a past president of that organization for the local chapter here, and, you know, when I got involved, I was able to learn from some of the other contractors. It put me into contact with other resources and stuff like that that really helped me build my business up. I would imagine it could be really helpful to a, a, a start a start a business uh, yes. to, to learn about the business aspects exactly. of that. Tom, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on to the Business Hour. Well, thank you for having me, Ron. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on from 10 to 11 a.m. on Fridays, Eastern Standard Time. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the Internet and the radio and YouTube next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.